Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Well, let's open in prayer once again as we get into the Word of God today and jump back into our studies in the book of Hebrews. Father, we just thank you so much for, uh, again, for your Word. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that is here today that is a part of our church family. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness to you uh, in their tithes and offerings. And also, Lord, we just thank you for the faithfulness of your Word. We pray that as we delve in, that today you would just inspire and encourage and convict today through your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to continue the study we've been on in Hebrews. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to, we're going to continue Hebrews chapter 4. And today, the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today ought to have a warning label on it. And, and, uh, and why do I say that? Uh, because I, I believe this passage ought to have a warning label because it ought to warn you about something uh, very, very important about God's Word the power and the purpose of God's Word. In fact, I think God's Word ought to have a warning label on it. Uh, Anybody agree with me? Because when you read God's Word, you can't help but have a reaction. God's Word will do something in you. It will do something to you. God's Word is powerful. So we're going to delve in and we're going to take a look at that. And, and the, the author of Hebrews is, is piggybacking off of what he's been warning. He's been warning the church. He's been warning believers who have come to faith in Christ, Jewish believers who have come to faith in Christ, but now after some time have started to drift back. Some of them have started to drift back instead of relying on the grace and, and relying on faith in, in Jesus Christ. They've started to drift back into some of the ways of Judaism and trusting in those ways, religion for their salvation rather than trusting in Jesus. And for others, they've been swooped up because there have been some cultural influences in the culture in which they live that was pushing them and and, and moving them to places of compromise from God's Word. And last week, we we took a look at a passage of Scripture where the writer continued to look at Psalm 95 and pull out this idea of rest. And so we talked about rest for the restless heart, using the illustration of the, the Israelites who had been brought out, saved out of captivity in Egypt, but God was leading them and wanting them to enter into His promise, His promised land, the land of Canaan, a land He had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and, and that land was categorized as rest. So He wanted them to enter into His Rest, And we talked about the idea that there are two kinds of rest that we see in Scripture. There is a salvation rest, that is, we have peace with God. And then there is a submission rest, that is, by submitting to God's Word through faith and obediently following what God's Word says, we enter into another kind of rest, a submission rest, in which we receive the peace of God. So peace with God and peace of God. 
And, 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 and so the writer just kind of understands this idea, highlights the idea that Israel had failed the first time. They had failed to in, enter into God's rest, and so he's warning them. And so let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, because what we look at today really has to be seen in context with what the writer of Hebrews has been talking about. And so Hebrews 4.1, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Again, what example was he talking about? He's talking about Israel's disobedience. That they got to the edge of the promised land, and, and although everything God said about that land was true, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that, that had wonderful fruit, they brought it back, it was a land. The problem was they didn't expect there to be mighty armies, big walls. They didn't expect there to be giants in the land. They didn't expect what they saw. And rather than trust a mighty God to deliver on his promise, instead they lacked faith. And their lack of faith resulted in disobedience, which kept them from entering into the rest and the promise that God had made. They were unable to enter that rest. So he warns them and says, don't follow that example. Don't follow that example. God's desire is for us to learn how to enter into the rest that he provides. To enter into his rest. So how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves from drifting? The last song that we sang talked about that, that, that God is an anchor that he never changes, that we can anchor ourselves in him. He is an anchor for us. Today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's going to talk about the power and the purpose of God's Word, which literally will anchor us and keep us from drifting in our faith. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 12. Very power, popular passage. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. These two verses begin with a connecting word for. A connecting word for. It's the connection, again, of Israel's time in the wilderness highlighted by some of the passages of Scripture that we've just read and their disobedience and their, their lack of faithfulness. And, and again, but if we will open up the, our hearts to God's Word, for God's Word, for, let's connect it back, God's Word, it will do a powerful work in our hearts. Diving into the text, we have a treasure today to uncover. For the Word of God, what is the Word of God? What does that refer to? When we see the Word, maybe our, our minds go to what many early commentators' minds went to, and that was John chapter 1 and verse 1, where it talks about Jesus Christ being what we call the Greek word, the logos, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Jesus is the Word. 
In fact, there are some things that might point to that as we look at back to what the writer opened this entire letter to the Hebrews about when he was talking about Jesus Christ being God's full and final word to the world. He, he said that in these last days, God has spoken to us through His Son. He said, God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways, says in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. And so, so we get the idea that the Word of God has something to do with Jesus. But in the immediate context in which we are reading this, the immediate context of four connected to this idea of the Israelites who, who also were lacked faith to trust God and act upon His Word. They didn't act upon His Word. They didn't hear His Word. They didn't heed His voice. They didn't follow His command. The good news is they had the word preached to them. The bad news is they didn't unite that word that was preached to them in faith resulting in obedience. In this context, the word of God refers to all of God's spoken word and revelation, including that which has come through His Son. And we have it recorded to us today in the scriptures that we call the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. It is, it is God revealing Himself to us. Revealing Himself to us in written form. And if we heed God's Word, it keeps us from drifting culturally. Culturally, there's all kinds of winds of, of things that says this is truth and that is truth and listen to this and listen to that. But friends, for the believer, God's Word needs to be where we anchor ourselves so that we do not drift into the opinion of our culture. Keeps us. So the author's talking about the power of God's Word and he highlights five characteristics about the Word of God. What is the Word of God? Why is the Word of God so important? As believers, why is the Word of God so important to us? Why is it important for us to read God's Word? Why is it important for us to meditate upon God's Word? Why is it important for us to hear God's Word? Why is it important for us to memorize and commit the Word of God into our hearts? Well, let me tell you some characteristics here in verse 12 about God's Word. First, God's Word is living. God's Word is living. It, 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 it says here that the Word of God is alive. Now, how many of you know that we serve a living God? God is not dead. So, so it, would, it, would, it would just suppose the fact that if God is, is still alive, then God's Word is living as well. It's a living Word because it cannot be separated from Him. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8 talks about the idea of the Word being living. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fall or the flowers fade away. Some of you, you started in your spring, you planted flowers. How are they doing right now? Some of you, man, you, you're really good gardeners. I mean, I'm telling you, you're still keeping them babies alive. But for some of you, they, they've been long gone. You've like sensed like, well, I tried again this year. But nobody wants to admit that. I understand. <laughs> right? The, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but what? The Word of God endures forever. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is living. 
And the word of God, being that it is living, also brings life. In fact, it brings life in two ways. One, it imparts new life to us. Why is that important? Because Scripture tells us that when we don't know Christ, we are dead in our trespasses. We're dead in our sins. Our soul is dead. When we don't know Christ, when you don't know Jesus, your soul is dead. I don't know if you, if you know that or not. I'm just letting you know. We're alienated, separated from God. Ephesians 2.1 says, For as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then a few verses later in verse 12, Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Without Christ there is no hope. Without Christ, there is no life. There might be something that gives the appearance of life, but we're dead inside. We're dead in our trespasses. And a, a dead sinner can no more bring themselves back to life spiritually than a dead person physically can come back to life. Dead in our trespasses. Oh, but God in His infinite will, God in His loving will, wasn't set to leave us that way. But being active in His Word, He by His will brings life. James 1.18, of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. <laughs> oh, isn't that good? I mean, notice this. Not by whose will. Whose will brings them back to life? A dead person can't bring themselves back to life. They can't will themselves back to life. Dead spiritually can't will it. It comes by the will of God. God is the one who does it. And how does He do it? How does He awaken us? How does He bring life to us spiritually? Through His Word, the Word of truth. The Word of truth. The Word gives new life. 1 Peter 1.23 For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Living and enduring Word of God. God's Word brings forth salvation. You and I were not saved apart from God's Word. God's Word brought truth. And it is the truth, Scripture says, that sets you free. It is the Word of God. So if you are a believer and you are sharing your faith, don't do it apart from the Word of God. Don't do it apart from the Word of God. It is God's Word that is alive and brings life. John stated very plainly the purpose of writing the Gospel of John, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So God brings, imparts new life through his word, but God's word also imparts renewed life. Renewed life. Now, how many, if you've been a believer for a long time, if you've given your life to Christ, anybody admit, sometimes I go through dry times? Anybody ever gone through some dry times? I mean, let's just be honest, there are times where we enter into some wilderness seasons. There are some times where we're dry. There are some times where, where, where faith just is a matter of discipline rather than a matter of feeling. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are times when the feelings are gone. 
Whatever it is, you might have been going through something and it's a struggle and, the, and it just seems like there's a, there's a deadness. Let me encourage you today that there is, there is a living Word of God that brings renewed life for you. David found it. David found it. He says in Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. When I think about refreshing, I think about on a hot day. And you've been out and you're just, you've been working and it's hot and you are just parched. You're just, oh, I'm so thirsty. Have they been there before? And man, when you can find that ice cold glass of water and you just drink that water, what a refreshing that is. Friends, the Word of God refreshes the soul. Psalm 119 highlights the benefits of the Word of God, 176 verses to highlight the benefits of God's Word. And repeatedly the psalmist cries out, my soul cleaves to the dust, revive me according to your Word. And again, this is my comfort in my affliction that your Word has revived me. The Word of God revives I want to encourage you that if you need a reviving in your life, if you need a reviving spiritually, you cannot do it apart from God's Word. If you will discipline yourself and you will get in God's Word, you will find that God's Word will revive you. It will be life to you. The Word of God is both a Word from God and it's a Word about God. It means that it comes from Him. It is from Him. It is life, specific life from Him, but it also is how we get to know Him. Generally speaking in creation, you can know a lot about God just by looking at creation, but to truly know God, you can't do it apart from His revealed Word. His revealed Word helps us to know Him, to get to know Him, to get to know who He is. And like Isaiah, sometimes we find ourselves where we get to know who God is and we find ourselves in His presence and we go, woe is me. Because the Word of God lets us see us as we are. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. But friends, God does that woe is me to bring us to Him so that we can truly get to know who He is and find ultimate healing, growth, and holiness in Him. Not only is God's Word living, God's Word is active. In fact, the word active is where we get our word energy from. <laughs> Anybody need some energy? Yeah, we need some energy. Sometimes we get worn and we need some, some energy. Well, God's Word is active. And what that means is it accomplishes what it set out to do. There's a passage in Isaiah that he talks about this, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, that as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word goes out from my mouth. And it will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's Word accomplishes what God set it out to do. It, it kind of reminds me of a, a story I read of a, a, a lady, she was older, and she got, she got saved older in her life. She was, she was in London at the time, and, uh, and the story of how she got saved is absolutely remarkable. There was a, a newspaper that had wrapped a gift that a friend of hers from Australia had mailed to her. 
And so she, she unwrapped the gift and there was a newspaper and on that newspaper was a printed sermon from Charles Spurgeon. A printed sermon from Spurgeon. And as she read that newspaper and as she read that printed sermon on that newspaper that had wrapped a gift sent from Australia by a friend, her heart was, was, was cut and she was open to, to what Jesus had come to do and she gave her life to Christ. How many think that's, that's awesome? But listen to the backstory of that. How did that sermon from Charles Spurgeon on a newspaper wrapped in a gift end up to this woman? Well, somebody did some, some backtracking to find out how this happened. Well, it so happened that Charles Spurgeon had preached several years earlier. He had, he had been preaching this message. And somebody said, you know what? That's a good message. We want to transcribe that. So they transcribed it, and they put it into a newspaper article. They sent it to New York City. New York City, they reprinted it, and it went out across the country and ended up in San Francisco. And from San Francisco, they, they ended up uh, reprinting it, and they sent it to somebody in Australia who reprinted it on the Australian newspaper. And from Australia, somebody had read that, that newspaper, kind of cast it aside, didn't think anything of it until one day they had a friend in London. They said, I need to send a gift and I got to wrap it in something. And they happened to take that newspaper, that section of that newspaper, wrap up that gift and send it. And that lady was saved because of that. God, God's word accomplishes something. When Charles Spurgeon was preaching, I'm sure he wasn't thinking of many years down the road and a lady who would unwrap a gift and read his sermon in a newspaper and give her life to Christ. But friends, when God sets his word to do something, it accomplishes what it was sent to do. It accomplishes what it was sent to do. Why? Because God's Word is living and active. It is always active and at work, and it accomplishes what it was set out to do. Charles Swindoll once said this, news articles may inform us, novels may inspire us, poetry may enrapture us, but only the living, active Word of God can transform us. The Word of God is what brings transformation. It's what revives our hearts. It's what transforms our lives. It's living. It's active. And number three, it's piercing. It's piercing. Look at verse 12. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of joints and Morrow, piercing. In the Roman world, there were two distinctly different types of swords. There was a, a very long, heavy sword and, and uh, very destructive, but there was also a shorter sword called a mahara. It was very lightweight, and it was double-edged, and it was deadly because it could cut both ways. And so, the writer of Hebrews writing in a context, a Roman context, is taking an illustration of this, this shorter sword, this shorter dagger, so to speak, that has two edges, that is double-edged, and this figurative language to show that, that a quality of God's Word is that it is sharp and piercing and it cuts deep. It cuts deep. I know not a whole lot of amens on that. But the truth is, is that oftentimes our conscience gets seared. 
Oftentimes our hearts get hardened. Oftentimes the deceitfulness of sin can work itself into the fabric of our hearts. Sometimes we can allow unforgiveness or bitterness or something to work itself in. And although we might look at ourselves and say, well, I'm a good person. I have a good heart. I have good intentions. It is not always true. Jeremiah 17, 9 said that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? Who can know it? We don't oftentimes know our own hearts. Oh, but when we read the Word of God, the Word of God gets in there and begins to pierce. And the Word of God gets in there and begins to cut. And the Word of God gets into the places where we might have some things hidden away and shoved in. But oh, the, the, the Lord says the Word of God sheds light in that area and says, oh no, that, that, that's not healthy for you. That's not good for you. That's not right for you. That, that needs to come out of there. That needs to come out of there. What's the purpose? The purpose is, is not to, to wound. The purpose is to heal. The piercing of God's word is to bring healing. Sin is like cancer. Kind of growing up inside of us and, and, and working itself through because it, the wages of sin is death. It, it, it's working to deaden us. But the, the, the Word of God will not allow that to happen because when we, when we open ourselves up to God's Word, the, the piercing of God's Word gets in and like a surgeon carefully begins to, to cut out those destructive areas of sin and remove them so that they no longer become harmful to us spiritually. J.B. Lightfoot put it this way, God's word heals most completely where it wounds most deeply and gives life there only where first it is killed. We need the piercing conviction of the Holy Spirit. To give you an example of how the word of God can pierce a conscience and, and also an example of how if we're not careful we can harden our heart against his piercing. We don't have to submit. That's that part of that submission rest. We don't have to. But God's word pierces. David Livingston, a missionary to Africa many years ago, was once offering, a, a, he was working with different, different tribal chiefs. And he was, he was offering to teach one of the chiefs how to shoot uh, a, a shotgun and at the same time to teach him how to, how to read. And when he wanted to teach him how to read, he said, I want to teach you how to read the Word of God. And the chief said, no, 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 I don't want to read that book. And he said, why? He goes, because there's another chief, uh, Shalele over there. And uh, when he read, he said, well, I can only have one wife. So I don't want to read that until I have five wives. The Word of God convicts. The Word of God pierces. The Bible's a dangerous book. Don't harden your heart. Let God's Word do what it was intended to do in your heart and in your life. It transforms and it pierces. And number four, God's Word is discerning. God's word is discerning. It says here that it, that it pierces through to the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. The thoughts and the intentions. Thoughts oftentimes refer to those negative thoughts or negative emotions, the, the bitterness, the things that we want to keep inside and we don't want anybody else to know. 
and, 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 and the heart refers to the totality of the inner person. And so the Word of God acts as a judge, says judges, judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Well, what do we mean by, by judge? Well, from the word judge, we might get the word critic from that. Well, God's Word is not being critical, it's more of an idea of assessment. God's word is examination. It is, a, it is an examiner of our hearts. It's what we put our heart up against to say, is, is, does it pass the test? Does it pass the test? If I, if I put it up and say, here is a, if the doctor, if you go into the doctor, you go into the, the cardiac uh, doctor and, 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 and he, he, he's examining your heart, he does all the tests that, you know, that they do, has all of these pictures, you go through the MRI or whatever it is of your heart, and, all these, and that might not even be, I'm not a doctor, I don't know what it is, but anyway, there's all, all kinds of imaging. And he gives an image of your heart, an image of your veins, an image of, of, of these things, and you have that image of your heart. And then he puts on the screen next to you, he goes, here's your heart. And you go, okay, that don't look so bad. And then he puts up an image of a healthy heart. And examining your heart, he sees, well, there's some things here, and there's some things here, and there's some things here. And to get in, he's got to take his surgical knife, and he's got he's to be able to, to cut away that which isn't good and, and, and be able to get what is healthy. And because why? Because, because he wants it to match his, the, his standard. And that's what God's Word does. So you and I might think that our thoughts are okay, that our intentions are okay, until we match them up with the Word of God. And the question is, how do our thoughts and our intentions match up with God's Word? God's Word lets us discern. It's, it's a discerner. It lets us discern the, the deepest recesses of our heart and our intentions and to know, are our motives truly right? Are our intentions truly good? Or is there, is there something else? Is there some, kind of, is there some kind of a sin? Because the truth is, is we like to hide our sin. We like to hide our sin. So therefore, the Word of God is discerning that lets us discern what is sin. But it's not just discerning, but the fifth quality. And, and the one we're going to end with today is that God's Word is revealing God's word is revealing. It sheds light on, on what is true. Look at, look at verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Can, can I just be honest with you? It's impossible to hide from God. You might be able to hide some things from your friend. You might be able to hide some things from your spouse. You might be able to hide and, and cover up some things and hide some things. But I'm going to be honest with you, friends. None of us can hide from God. God is the one who truly knows the condition of our heart and our soul. God is the one who truly knows the condition. And one day, Scripture says that it's all going to be revealed. That one day we're going to stand before God and we are going to give an account of ourselves to Him. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10 says, so we make it our goal to please Him. That's our goal. Whether at home, in the body, or away from it, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. 
Friends, one day we're going to stand before God. One day I'm going to stand before God and give an account. And I'm going to be laid bare before Him. What will that be? One day you're going to stand before God and give an account and be laid bare before Him. Are you going to try the Adam and Eve? We sinned against God. Oh, we're going to hide. What self-covering do you use? We need a God covering. Only God can cover the shame. One day, anything that is hidden will be revealed. Well, where is the hope in that? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. And we're going to delve into this a little more next week. But, but here, here, here's where we find our hope. See, the Word of God, the Word of God lays bare the condition of our heart. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Here it is. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Guess who we have? A Savior whose name is Jesus. And guess what he gives us? He gives us a living an active word that, that is powerful, like a double-edged sword that is able to get into those areas that, that we've hidden away and expose the areas that we've hidden so that, why? So that we can run and hide uh, a little bit more, no, so that we can bring them before Jesus, our great high priest, who sympathizes with us, and we say, I don't know what to do with this heart. I don't know what to do with this sin. I don't know what to do with this, but it doesn't match up to you. I, I don't know what to do. I'm laid bare before you. I don't know what to do. And we come before the Lord, and we find grace, and we find mercy in our time of need. We find grace, and we find mercy. Friends, some of you need to come to Jesus and find grace and mercy in your time of need. Stop hardening your heart. Stop resisting what Jesus is trying to do in you and allow the Word of God that is living and active to accomplish what God has purposed it to do. Allow the spiritual surgeon of our Heavenly Father to cut into the very recesses of sin. Don't resist, but let Him, let him cut that out so that you can find healing and help and mercy and grace. Let Jesus, your great high priest, let him welcome you into his throne room where you can find the mercy and the grace that you need in your life. Don't run from God's revealing word. Worship team, will you come? Friends, in God's word, we have truly a treasure. It's a treasure that, that leads us to life, new life, salvation life, born again life in Jesus. But it also allows us to experience renewed life, refreshing life, to be revived by His Word. His Word is what 
pierces us and allows the unhealthy parts of sin to be exposed so that they can be cut out and be healed and brought before our Lord and Savior. Oh, the Word of God is powerful. It is living and it is active. Don't, don't run from God's Word. Don't, don't stop getting into God's Word. That's why it's so important to read God's Word, to memorize God's Word, to meditate on God's Word. You can read a newspaper and you can read social media and you can listen all you want to all of the pun and all of these news channels and you can read this book and that self-help book but I'm going to tell you that nothing will transform your life or bring life to you like the Word of God. It is the Word of God that brings the change and the transformation that our hearts truly need. It's the Word of God that when all of culture is moving this way and that way and this way and that way that we can go where do I find truth how do I know what's right it's the word of God a living God who does not change friends do you need new life in Jesus if you stood before God to give an account today what would it say about your heart? Some of you need healing in your heart today. Some of you have sin and the word of God is piercing and it's bringing to some of the things that you know have been hidden things and, and the Holy Spirit is piercing today. Don't hold back today. Open up your, your heart. Say, Jesus, I lay it bare. I give it to you. I give it to you. I need your forgiveness and your grace. Here it is. This is what I've been hanging on to. This is what I've been hiding. This is what I've... Here it is. I give it to you. Let Jesus have your heart. Let Jesus have your heart today. And let his word do its work in you. Let's bow our heads. Do you need salvation today? Do you need new life? The Word of God brings new life. And maybe today you need new life, born-again life. You, you, you need your sins forgiven. And, and you need to experience salvation in Jesus. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to, to be real brave. I'm going to ask you, will you slip up your hand? Pastor, I need salvation today. Anyone at all, I need salvation. I need new life in Jesus. I need, I need to be born again. I need to be born again. I need his salvation in my life. Secondly, the enemy doesn't like this. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and there's some things in your heart that you know aren't right. And you need, to, you need to get some things right with Jesus. You've given your life to Him in salvation, but man, you just know there's some areas the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about, and you just need to bring them to Jesus. You need to bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you today. I need you today. And allow His Word to accomplish its work in your heart. Maybe you need revive today. I'm going to pray, and we're going to begin to sing, and I want to invite you to 
to find that place where you just get alone with the Lord, whether that's up here at an altar or whatever it is, you, you get alone and you say, Jesus, here's my heart. Jesus, here's my heart. I give it to you. Here, here's my sin that I've been holding back. I, I repent of my sin. I give it to you. Holy Spirit, right now, right now, do a work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, right now, do a work in our hearts. Right now, right now, a convicting work. Right now, a salvation work, a, a renewing work. Holy Spirit, move right now in this place. Begin to just move across this place. Move in our hearts right now. We just open up our hearts to you and your word is laid bare. We come to you to find grace and mercy and our help that we need in our time of need. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.